Mm. You think that is what's going yeah, on? Yeah, well, I, I do. I think that 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 drives in large part the motivation to uh, to broadcast these beliefs is to basically tell the world I'm not one of the you know the the hoi polloi, one of the little the people, unwashed masses, the unwashed masses, mm. and and so they're 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 telling us you know to society at large and and in particular they're they're telling their peers you know don't mistake me for one of those people there. And so this is sort of what I'm getting at with this idea that, you know, now that now that the masses believe that race should no longer be treated as a big deal in society, if you're a member of the elite, if you say that you're you may be at risk of being mistaken for one of the masses. And so now you have to sort of reintroduce the importance of race and ethnicity and so on. Uh, and say that we, you know, you, you don't want to be colorblind. You want to sort of highlight our differences and, and so on. But this here is a luxury belief because, you know, you may be able to sort of promote this sort of racial divisions among highly educated, highly affluent people. And in all likelihood, it's probably not going to hurt you very much. But if that belief is reintroduced into society where we should once again pay very close attention to what skin color we are or what race we are, that could create a lot of problems for ordinary people well, who I think it don't is have the wealth and the resources already and so on. because well, because look, I think one of the factors, and I'm I'm certainly not alone in this, although maybe I can differentiate it a bit better, I think a big part of the reason that Trump was so attractive. I saw this hat in Florida. I've told this story before. It said Trump 2021, Trump 2020. Yeah, because fuck you twice. And I thought, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. It's because there's this perception on the part of the working class, perhaps particularly among working class males, and maybe even more particularly among working class white males, that the progressive types that hypothetically stand for the oppressed have nothing but contempt for them. And the attraction yes. to Trump was, yeah, well, here, have some of this. I feel that um, every once in a while, I'll go back to my to my hometown, Red Bluff, California, and I'll talk to people. And I can feel this, you know, like, I'll tell them I grew up here. I'm, you know, I'm sort of, this is my hometown. And whenever it comes up, so what do, what do you end up doing? Uh, I'm honest and I say, you know, I, I ended up going to Yale or Cambridge or whatever, but I, I'm, I'm always very quick to follow it up with, but, but I, I enlisted in the military. This is sort of my protection. <laughs> like I was in the military before I did all this other stuff because I can sense, like when I say I go to Yale, there's this, this sort of moment of awkward silence and I can tell they're sort of updating their view of me and probably not in a good direction either. Uh, and so then when I follow it up with, but I enlisted and then sort of things calm back down, I had this experience. Experience uh, a couple years ago, I was in a casino playing cards uh, in Corning, which is an even more poor and small town in Northern California. Uh, and my sister had, you know, let it slip to the dealer that I, I was a student at Yale. And the dealer looked at me for a second and he's like, "What are you even doing in here?" You know, in the sense that, like, number one, why would you be gambling in here if you go to a school like that? And then number two, like, it, it, it sort of sounded like I'm not really sure I want you to be in here. And I told him like, you know, hey, I, I serve in the military. I just want to play some cards. Let's, you know, let's just have a good time. And and he sort of let his guard down at that point. But I think there is this um, feeling among more blue collar working class people that, you know, the elites over there are, they look down on us. They view us in a certain way. They treat us like we're stupid or backwards or evil or racist or whatever. And really, it's, I mean, it's just not true. Um, 
that kind of disdain also just sort of amplifies the divisions. And that is something that I'm also trying to highlight to elites as well. I think that there's been a lot of emphasis in psychology um, on the role of fear in promoting belief. But Mm. I think that disdain, contempt, and disgust have been underappreciated as separating motivational factors. Yes. Um, And it's one thing, if someone's afraid of you, that's not exactly offensive. I mean, you Mm. might regard it as unfortunate, but there's also a kind of implicit respect. We have a little bit of dominance. Exactly, exactly. But if they're disgusted by you or disdainful of you, that means that you're in the contemptible and rotting category, essentially. And that's a lot right. bigger dagger aimed at your heart than, than fear. I mean, would you rather be shied away from or sneered at? Right. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I think this is, this is part of what's, uh, what's driving these, these sort of class divisions. Um, that, that the sort of working class and lower class, they feel this, they feel that there's this disdain for them on the part of the upper class. And this is part of what I'm trying to highlight too, with this idea is to, to basically say that like, there are these divisions, social class exists in America. And this is something that we need to be thinking about whenever we broadcast these silly beliefs that no one believes in. And, uh, what blows my mind is that, you know, the, the data are freely available. You can see what the majority of Americans believe about the police or voter ID laws or drugs or what have you. Uh, and the affluent just don't care very much. They're still going to broadcast their very silly belief.